Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Good to be here with all of you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Justin Garza. I'm one of the ministers here at Tri-Valley. We're going to continue uh, today in our series that we started a couple weeks ago called Awe and Intimacy. And um, this is uh, part three of a four-week uh, series. So next week will be our last lesson in this series. And I've just had a, a lot of fun with this with you guys. I really have uh, had a good time exploring these passages of Scripture as we've looked at our prayer lives and, and tried to just consider some things about our own prayer lives. Um, especially one of the things that we've done is each week as a congregation, we've sent home a, a prayer passage for the week that we've been able to live in and reflect on. And then my hope was that we would also then respond by writing a prayer to God in response to what he was saying to us through that passage. And uh, many of you guys have uh, shared prayers with me over the last couple weeks. And I've been super blessed by that, some that I hadn't had prayers shared with me before, and, and that's just been a huge blessing to me. This past week we were in Proverbs 2, and I hope you had a meaningful time in that passage. I know just all week long that uh, God was speaking to me in different ways through that request for wisdom. You know, when I was planning this series, um, it was never my intention to think that somehow I was going to come up here and just try to convince people to pray. That wasn't really my hope or my heart. I think prayer is awesome and I'm really passionate about it and I, I love prayer and I think it can take us to, to very deep places in our relationship with God. But it was never my intention to say somehow, hey, just pray more and let me convince you to, to pray. Um, it was also never my intention to um, suggest somehow that I could teach us to master prayer. Um, I was thinking about one of the songs we sang earlier I stand in awe on just this statement, who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Like, who am I to even try to stand up here and try to grasp that and say, yeah, somehow I'm going to teach you guys how to master prayer? Um, my hope above all else was that we would take an honest look at our prayer lives and that in doing so, it would push us deeper into our relationship with God and through this avenue that he's given us that's, that's just amazing and beautiful. And, and so that was really my hope as we've gone through this series. Um, just a quick recap, in week one we talked about um, really the idea of desiring God, and we just looked at this uh, passage from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and just asked the question, do we desire God? Do we desire to know him deeply? And how does that shape our prayer lives? Are we responding to the invitation that he's calling us to, to deep and intimate prayer lives? And then last week, we looked at a passage from 1 Kings, and we were looking at uh, Solomon's encounter with God. And there was really uh, this request for an understanding mind and wisdom. And uh, a couple main points of that passage, or uh, that, that lesson last week, was really to recognize that it's only by God's faithfulness that we could ever approach him to begin with. And so that shapes how we approach him. And then also that, you know, as we're asking for God's wisdom, we're asking for an understanding mind and to discern him, he's given us his word. And if, if we're really serious about that, if we really want to hear from God, then we need to be immersed in his word. And so this is sort of the foundation that we've set for ourselves. And I hope at this point that one of the things that we're seeing as we look at, like, what is prayer, that the way we're beginning to define that and see that is prayer is the continuation of a conversation that God has already started. That it's God who starts this conversation and he invites us into this response to him. And so prayer is not leaving voicemails on an answering machine. It's two-way communication where God speaks to us, we speak to him, and we can uh, dwell in that relationship. And so for today and really kind of the remainder of uh, this week and next week, what I hope to do 
is look more into some of the practical. So if this is the foundation we've laid, then, then what does that mean then in terms of uh, like how do we actually do it and how do we pray? And so straight from this song that we sang, Who Can Grasp Your Infinite Wisdom, the, the one we need to look to if we're really serious about wanting to learn how to pray is we need to look to Jesus. And so that's really what I hope to do today is just to camp out at Jesus' feet and to look at what does he say about prayer. And he said a lot of things, but there was one time where his disciples were talking to him and they had just seen him praying. And they had just heard him, probably were like, man, that guy's like, he, he's awesome when he's praying. And they, they said, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. We want to we learn how to pray from you. And so Jesus responds with the passage that we're going to look at today. And many of us are familiar with this. This is uh, known as the Lord's Prayer, or some people call it the Disciples' Prayer. This is a model prayer for us. And so this is what we're going to look at today. Um, If you guys have a Bible, um, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. You can find a Bible underneath one of the seats in front of you if you need that. And I'll have some slides up here on the screen. These words that we're going to look at today are all Jesus. This is all from him. And so uh, we're going we're to dive into this right now. Matthew 6, I'm going to start in verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's all from Jesus right there. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the term habituation. This is a term in psychology. Uh, Some of you might be familiar with it. But but essentially what it means is like we can become so familiar with um, uh, stimulus, some kind of familiar with something to where it almost our, our response to it diminishes. So an example of this, if you've ever known anyone who's lived near train tracks, uh, my sister down in Southern California, she lives right next to the train. And so it, it literally drives right by her house. And I go over there and it boggles my mind, like, how do you do that? I mean, it's super loud, the house kind of shakes. And, you know, and, and for her, it's, I don't even notice it anymore. And this is kind of what this idea of habituation means, that when we become so familiar with something, we almost kind of miss it. And I think this is very true, that this can happen to us with the Lord's Prayer, that this can become a danger for us. I mean, Jesus has, he responded directly to the question, teach us how to pray with this prayer. And Dallas Willard, he writes that many people make little progress in learning to pray simply because they have not seriously entered into Jesus' answer to the explicit request, teach us to pray. And so I hope for this morning, I'm sure that in some ways as I started to read this passage, probably some of us started to like recite it, like hallowed be your name, your king. That, I, I do that too, and it, it just sort of happens. And, and that's a good thing. We have the scriptures like implanted into us. We, we know this. That's a good thing. But this morning, I really hope that we'll, 
we'll stop trying to just respond and we'll first start by just trying to listen to what is God saying through this as he teaches us how to pray. And Jesus has given us this prayer. I mean, this is like the prayer of prayers. He said, this, this is, follow this, this is your model. And, and this can unlock the richness of prayer for us as we learn this. And so essentially what he does is he gives us um, this, this statement of address and these six petitions that we're going to look at in just a minute. But the first place he starts in verses 5 through 8 in our passage is he starts by saying, don't pray like this. Like, th- he starts here, like, when you pray, don't do this. And so he says, you know, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on street corners and in the synagogues to be seen by others. He says, um, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, they think they'll be heard for their many words, like somehow our language will be clever enough to convince God to respond and to hear us, right? He says, don't do that. He says, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who's in secret. He says, your father already knows what you need before you could ask him. And so I think it's important that we start there. Now, now one thing uh, absolutely Jesus is not saying is don't ask God. Don't, don't make requests to God, because he's actually going to go on in this passage to show us how to do that and, and what to ask for as we come before God. And he's not condemning all public prayer either, and I think this is important, because we can look at this and go, oh, we shouldn't pray. Like, I shouldn't be up here praying. It, that's not what he's saying, because he's already modeled his own public prayers. In fact, this response is because the disciples have just heard him praying, and so he's already modeled this for us. So it's, he's not saying, hey, don't pray in public. But he absolutely is saying, we better check our heart in whatever we're doing. And I just want to share something with you guys. I, I got to be honest this week. I've, I've been dwelling in this quite a bit. Um, a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, as I was preparing for this series, I got a, um, a note here from uh, one of our sisters in Christ, Andrea. She used to worship with us for a while, recently moved to Montana. She's probably going to watch this, so hey, Andrea. Um, but this, uh, this note was super encouraging to me, um, and uh, it was just, especially as I was prepping this series and kind of going through this, but she started the note and it said this, I'm super impressed with your ability to captivate people with prayers. And I mean, I heard that and I read that and I was like, oh man, that's awesome. You know, thank you, Andrea. But can I tell you that this whole week I have been terrified about this? Because here I hear Jesus saying, don't pray to be seen or heard by others, like, you know, it, it, this is a danger for me, you know, and, and, and I wrestle with this because I feel like God has given me some ability to express myself with words, um, and so in terms of praying and especially the avenue of, like, writing prayers, this is something that allows me to bring that out, and I, I want to use that for God but in the back of my head, like, is, is my motivation that I would captivate others with my, my words? Like, is that what I'm going for as I pray? Because um, I, I, I wrestle with this, you know, that how do I be faithful to the, use this gift that God's given me to do, but then remembering who is it that I'm praying to? Am I praying to God? Or am I praying to the people who are listening to me pray? And, and I think this is a, an important caution for us as a church that we check our hearts and what's the internal motivation because, you know, um, I get compliments like this. And, and just this week I've had a few more just awesome encouraging notes and I really appreciate it. But it's like this, God, you know, I just want my heart to be right before you. I don't want to, 
get caught up in trying to uh, express all the right words or, or have this whole thing. Like when people compliment me, am I excited that they were pumped about the words I used or am I excited that God's spirit worked through my prayer to reach them somehow? And so this is something that I, I just share with you that, to be honest, I need your guys' prayers about this. Um, I think J- Jacob would echo this, that, that we need your prayers about this. Anyone who stands up and does these things in public, this is a danger for us. There was a, a quote I heard from um, this old theologian from the 17th century, but it was really good warning for ministers. And he said, a minister can fill his pews, his communion roll, the mouths of the public, but what that minister is on his knees in secret before God Almighty, that he is and no more. And I think that applies to all of us. And so my prayer for, for you guys, and, and, I, and I hope your prayer for me is that we would, before, as we approach God in prayer, that, that we would check our hearts. And especially as I think there will be times he calls us to pray in public. And, and we're supposed to pray in the church and as a body. And we'll talk about that more in this passage. But um, we've got to start by checking our hearts as we approach God. So then Jesus gets into um, how do we do it then? And in verse 9 he says, pray then like this. And so he goes through this this address and these six petitions, and we're just going to break this down a little bit. So he starts with the address, our Father, right? Our Father. And sometimes, I, you know, we say this so much, we sing it in songs that I, I think maybe we kind of miss, like, the, the depth of that. Like, our Father, like, we get to call God Father. Like, he invites us into that. I think this is also a reminder before we just dive right into to prayer that, we don't just plunge right into talking to God, but first we remember that we remember our, our situation. We realize our, our position in Christ. Like By saying our Father, we're actually praying in Jesus' name because we're reminding ourselves we have been adopted into this family by, by grace alone. And so we're praying our Father, reminding ourselves of that position in Christ, that it's only because of Christ. The other thing that I, I, I think about with this address is that we are addressing our prayers directly to a personal and knowable God. You know, we're not just simply like lifting our hearts up to the universe or um, putting out good wishes. Uh, we're not just worrying out loud, right? We're actually directing our prayers to a personal and knowable God. And then not only that, but he says, call me Father, our Father. So this reminds us of of the relationship that he's actually calling us to as we talk about intimacy. Um, That's what he's asking of us. That's what he's inviting us to. I want you to think about this picture here. This is what's been going through my head this week. All right, this was a few years ago. I had much less hair. And and my daughter still liked to cuddle with me on the couch. But, you know, think about this, this embrace of father and child holding each other close on the couch and just, you know, just being together, that, that comfort. I was thinking as Phil was leading us in communion, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I saw a father, I saw parents who were so overjoyed and filled with emotion about seeing their son get married. You know, and this is what God invites us into. Like, we're, we're not just praying to some God who's far off. He, he says, Father. Like, there's emotion involved. There's feelings. There's closeness. There's this. And so I would ask us today, as we take a a real honest look at our own prayer lives, does it look like this? As we approach God, 
in prayer, as we call him our Father, do we have this kind of closeness? Do we see prayer like that? Because I think that that's what God wants from us. He wants us to experience that. And, you know, sometimes as we say, you know, our Father who, who art in heaven, or our Father in heaven, depending on your translation, like we think of that as like, oh, well, this is some being like way far off in some other place, some other time. But I, I think that misses the whole heart behind this. He's saying our Father, you know, uh, another way is like the one in the heavens, the one who's everywhere, transcends all space and time. You're, you're everywhere. You're in all things, including in us. Like you're right there embracing us, snuggling with us on the couch, holding us. Like that's the type of relationship we get to have. And I would challenge us this week to consider that as we just, just say our Father, what, what goes through our head as we, we're reminded of this relationship that he wants with us? And then we get to our first petition. I'll take that off because she's embarrassed over there. Um, I'll get to our, we get to our first petition where, um, where he says, hallowed be your name. And, uh, you know, this, this, it's kind of foreign for me. I don't know anyone who actually uses the word hallowed in, like, daily vocabulary. So, in fact, I didn't even know what hallowed was. I, I heard Halloween, and I honestly never connected the two. This was, like, weird for me. So, so hallowed is almost like a foreign word, but, but essentially a, a, maybe a more contemporary word we'd use today is holy. Like, hallowed is kind of an old-fashioned word for holy. Um, but even in some ways, like, holy, that word is almost becoming old-fashioned nowadays. Like, you know, uh, what is holiness? Uh, I, I think largely we've maybe lost a grip on, or a grasp on what holiness is because we've started to try to define it by our own terms, like what is holiness? Like we, we've kind of decided what holiness is. We've actually edged God out of that whole equation and rather than going to the one who is holy for the definition of holiness, we're kind of basing it on, well, what do we think is holy in our, our society or our culture or in our feelings? And so, you know, sometimes with this petition, hallowed be your name, it's hard to kind of grasp what is it that we're praying for. And to be honest, the first time I said this, like when I learned these words, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, I didn't even think of this as a separate, like, petition. I looked at it as, like, one statement, like, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I looked at it less as a petition and more as a statement of adoration, like, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your name is higher than all other names, you're the Lord of lords, you're the King of kings, you know, this is kind of how I saw this, and I, and I think this is totally scriptural and, and absolutely a good thing to pray, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think we almost miss the uh, meaning behind this being the petition that it is, and so what is it when we're, that we're praying when we say, hallowed be your name, and I think there's a couple things, last week we talked about how as Christians, God has placed his name upon us, that he dwells in us. And so that as we've received his name on us, that we represent a good and holy God. And so part of this petition is that God keeps us as Christians from dishonoring the name by which we are called, that he would empower us to become good and holy. Another way we could look at this petition is that um, we're, we're requesting that, or we're declaring that, God, I, I just want your name to be proclaimed across every nation and every tongue that this is what I'm asking for. Holy is your name, and I want more people to know that. I want more people to come to that understanding. So there's, there's several things that we can see just from this one statement that we're making as we really break this down in prayer. It can go in all sorts of different directions for us that... Um, 
You know, he's inviting us to represent his name as holy, to keep his name holy, and also that someday across every nation, every tongue would confess that his name is the one true name. And it connects to the, one of the Ten Commandments, right? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And I think sometimes we think of that as just by what we say. Like, don't say, you know, OMG. Like, don't, don't say these things. But it's much more than that. It, God's talking about how we live out the name that has been put upon us. This is what he's talking about as we keep his name holy. And then we get into the next petition. And he says, your kingdom come. This week, this statement really stirred up multiple things in me. Um, a couple uh, that I'll share with you. One is like excitement. I mean, I was thinking about like the kingdoms of the world today, you know, and uh, even like our, our country, our nation, and some of the, the struggles we have with political turmoil and just division that seems to be so prevalent, just animosity, all these things going on. You think about the kingdoms of the world, the kingdoms that we live in here on earth, and so much of it seems like kind of flawed, and, you know, it almost makes me sad. Um, and so I'm excited at thinking that there's going to come a day when God's kingdom will come in its fullness. Like, think about if Jesus was here right now, like in physical form, and everything he said goes. Like he's, every decision made by any country, national leader or president or all government, all morality, like everything falls under his rule and reign. Like this is, this is what we have to look forward to. This is what we get invited into as Christians. And one day this is actually going to be realized. And it's a beautiful thing. He invites us into that now. The other thing this statement stirs up for me, if I'm perfectly honest, is this question of, do I really want someone to rule over me? You know, and it's easy to stand here and go, oh, of course, like we want God to rule over us. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I've always been kind of a question authority kind of person. And, and uh, I like debate. I like to, you know, get into heated discussions. And oftentimes I just think I'm right. You know, I, I think I have, I know what's best and I know the answers to these situations in my family or even in the church, you know, I'm like, you can talk to our elders. Sometimes in our meetings, I'll get a little like, I'll get going. I think I know what's right. I think I, I have these answers. And so do I really want someone else ruling over me? And then, you know, if, if we um, really think about our prayer lives, if we're really honest about it, how much time do we spend actually telling God what we think he should do? I mean, largely... As I pray, a lot of it is telling God what I think is right or fair or just or, or what he should do. It's me telling him, like, yeah, this should be your kingdom. I'm actually saying my kingdom come when I pray that. I'm not really turning it over to him. And Jesus invites us into it as he says, we pray your kingdom come. It's, it's turning it all over to him. And so we're turning all, all those resistances that we have, and we're also um, realizing and excited looking forward to the fullness that is going to come, his full kingdom realized on earth as it is in heaven. And so then we move into the third petition. Some people lump these together, but I think it's important we look at them as separate today. He says, your will be done. And so in a very similar way, this is a, a release of control. It's a release of our own kingdom and God's will, um, and, you know, of our will asking for God's will. Um, you know, and there's a... 
I think there was a statement I heard from Martin Luther, the, the German monk, who he said, a good way of paraphrasing this, your will be done, is actually to say, grant us grace to bear willingly all sorts of sickness, poverty, disgrace, suffering, and adversity, and to recognize that in this, your divine will is crucifying our will. That's how, that's how he summarized this statement, your will be done. And the amazing thing about this is we have the example of Jesus, you know, and I love how Phil just camped out and he said, let's just, let's just remember Jesus. What did he say? What did he do? Um, Jesus was in the garden. He's like, hey, take this cup from me. I don't, I don't want to go through this, but not my will, but yours be done. We have this direct example from Jesus. And I got to be honest with you, most often I pray your will be done. I actually mean my will be done. If I'm, if I'm perfectly honest with you, uh, a couple years ago maybe now, um, when Trish was uh, diagnosed with a recurrence of cancer, you know, I, we had already gone through like a year of all these treatments. She had surgery, she had chemo, she had all these things going on, and medical bills piling up, all this stuff. And, you know, we made it through, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. God's answering our prayers. And then she finds another lump. And I remember just being like, like just so mad. And then we go to the surgeon, and the surgeon, like, instantly as she looks at it, she's like, oh, that doesn't look good. Like, before the biopsy's even done, right, she, she's telling us, like, it doesn't look good. Can I just be honest with you? I was so mad at God. I mean, I, I was shaken. I, I was really pretty mad at God, you know. It shook my whole prayer life, you know. And, and so as I'm praying, your will be done, I, I really don't mean it all the time. In fact, I was, you know, I don't want Trish to have to go through this again. If I'm perfectly honest, selfishly, I didn't want to have to go through this again, you know? And, and so I think this is important for us to remember that it's not an easy prayer to pray. But in this prayer, we're not just submitting our wills to God, but also our feelings, so that as whatever His will is, the things that we go through, we don't become bitter by it, that we lean into our trust in God and what He has planned for us. So we've looked at three statements, three petitions. I don't want to keep you here hostage today, so I'm going to move this along. But I think it's important to recognize that so far these first three petitions that Jesus gives us, there's an order to this prayer. And, and these first three are all about remembering the preeminence of God. They reframe our vision. Before we ever even get to asking for our own requests, we first have to come to God with the right perspective, that He's our Father, that your name is holy, we want to keep your name holy, we hope your name is proclaimed across all the land. We want your kingdom to come, God, yes. I, a lot of ways I want my own kingdom, but I want to turn that over to you, and I want your will to be done. We start by dealing with our own self-centeredness. We deal with our own uh, inability to put him first, to put him on the highest shelf before we ever turn to our own needs and to the needs of the world. This is how Jesus frames this prayer. And then he moves into petition number four, and he says, give us this day our daily bread. I was writing this sermon on, uh, I think, Wednesday, and I was kind of working through this petition. And it was kind of a windy day, and I noticed the blessing box was, like, blowing all around the doors, like, broken. And so I went out there, and I was like, okay, i got to figure a way to tape it shut or whatever. And I started just thinking about this. How many times have I prayed this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, and never actually really understand or understood what that even means. 
I mean, I've never been so reliant. Like, what if my very ability to live was to be able to go out to that blessing box and just, God, please, let there be something for me in there so that I don't die today. Like, this is, this is what we're praying. Like, give us this day our daily bread. Oftentimes means, like, give me enough money. I can go eat out or I can, you know, like, the luxuries. But what if, like, I was so dependent on that blessing box that that's what I'm actually praying when I say, give us, just God, give me today my daily bread. Like, let me find exactly what I need today. You know, I, I walk through my kitchen often. I'm through my house and look at the cupboards and the fridge, and I'm like, we don't have anything to eat. I say this all the time, and I'm looking at, like, canned food, like, all over, or pastas, or, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. But what I'm really saying is, like, there's nothing I feel like eating, or this isn't convenient. I got to cook something. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. And, you know, this is a problem that I have in, in praying this prayer. You know, to be honest, I think for me and probably many of us in here, we would probably be pretty angry with God and probably feel like he wasn't answering our prayers if all he gave us was our daily bread. I mean, think about that. If all he gave us was that blessing box that day, I don't know. I'd probably feel like, God, you're not answering my prayer. And I came across this passage in Proverbs chapter 30, it's beautiful, uh, these beautiful words. Um, he says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I mean, if you think about this prayer in Proverbs, when was the last time any of us said, Lord, don't make me rich? Like, I, I've never prayed that prayer. I've definitely prayed, don't make me poor. And, you know, I I hope I have enough to pay that bill or whatever. But I've never prayed, don't make me rich. But there's wisdom in this. I don't want to be rich because I don't want to forget you. I don't want to be full. Just give me what is needful for me today, God. Jesus talks about this in, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone. It's by every word from the mouth of God. And so this isn't just the the daily substance that we need. There's clearly more to this. But um, just, just thinking about that, what is needful for me today You know, Jesus says, seek him first. He'll provide everything else we need. You know, we live in the Bay Area. It's not cheap. I'm sure many of us struggle financially, and we're probably like, how are we going to pay that bill? How are we going to pay rent, mortgage, etc.? That's a real struggle. I'm not trying to make light of that. But we've become so accustomed to so much that, that praying this prayer, like, give me today my daily bread, I don't know if we fully grasp it. I saw a guy go to the blessing box and take a canned soup no stove to heat it, no pan to make it. He just opens it and takes a spoon and starts eating this condensed Campbell's soup. And I'm like, think about it. If that was how we had to survive, God, give me today our daily bread. I think we can't take this petition lightly enough as we not only pray for ourselves but for others. And then he moves in to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I don't know if we've really, like, I mean, this is an amazing thing to pray um, do you realize the depth of my sinfulness? Like, to stand up here and, and just acknowledge that before you? Like, the depth of my sinfulness? Do you realize the depth of your sinfulness? You know, Paul says in Romans that there's not one who is righteous, not even one, right? And yet we can come to God, call Him Father, and ask for forgiveness for our sins. I, I struggle a lot with guilt, um, it's hard for me to comprehend being forgiven. This is something I, I've really had to wrestle with in my faith. 
And I, I believe firmly in the victory in Jesus. You know, he says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've separated you from your sins. You know, Jesus is victorious, not by anything I've done. It's, it's all by him, that my sins have been washed away. And so this petition invites us into the beauty of remembering that. It also invites us into the beauty of confession before God. And that reminder that it's only by his grace. It reminds us that we need his grace. But I want us to really think about today what it is that we're actually praying as we say this. You know, how I learned this was forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's how I remembered hearing this, this petition. Do you think about what it is that we're actually praying when we say that? Like, Father, forgive me just as I forgive that person. Like, you know that person who really offended me and I'm really mad at? Like, yeah, I forgive them. I carry a grudge or I'm really bitter at them. Like, that's how we're inviting God to forgive us. That's, that's what we're praying as we're asking him, God, forgive me just like I'm forgiving that person. Or even worse, if we're unwilling to forgive someone who's offended us or sinned against us or upset us or has different views than us, if we're unwilling to forgive them, we're basically telling God, yeah, don't forgive me either. Like, that's, that's what we're saying as we pray this. This is a scary thing to pray. I've had this conversation with a couple people this week and, I mean, it's a, it's a scary thing. It's a hard thing to pray because I, I'm human and I hang on to grudges. As much as I need that forgiveness and I, I want that forgiveness, I hang on to grudges. So often I take a, a paraphrase of another scripture and this is how I pray it. Lord, I'm forgiving, but help, or, Lord, I forgive, but help me where I'm unforgiving. That's how I tend to pray this because I know there's like a bitterness or there's a resentment or something that I'm carrying. And Jesus invites us to say, you know, he even says it. If you don't forgive, then the Lord won't forgive you. If you do, then he will. Like he says it right after this. So this is, this is a scary thing to pray. I think we really need to consider this as we ask for forgiveness to God. How many times have we prayed this and we're carrying that grudge? You know, it, it's a reminder of the humility that we approach God with. And then he moves into this last petition. I'm going to lump them into two, some people, or lump them into one, some people separate them. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you can absolutely separate them and look at them as two different things. I'm going to just look at them as one today for us. But essentially what we're saying here is that as we live for Christ, as we are walking with you, protect us. Protect us from the internal evils in us, uh, in our flesh, those things that lead us towards temptation and protect us from the external things, the evil in the world, the influences, the bad things that happen to us. This is a prayer for both of these things. I think it's important to note as we dive in, just look at this, is that James writes that, hey, when we're tempted, we're not to say God is tempting us, right? Because God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. But it's actually our own evil desires within us that drag us away and entice us and cause us to be tempted. And also, I don't think this petition is saying don't let us be tempted. I think there's a difference in don't let us be tempted and don't lead us into temptation. You know, the Bible describes a lot of our testing in our faith as actually being a good thing. There's places all over that describe that. It's like a furnace that actually um, purifies us, makes us more humble. It uh, brings us into uh, greater self-awareness with God, strengthens our faith. So, I don't think it's don't let me be tempted, but don't let me enter into temptation. That what Jesus is actually talking about is being led to that place where we are ready to just throw it all away for sin. 
don't let that happen, God. Don't let me be led into temptation. And temptation, every one of us in here could probably list temptations we have. It shows up in lots of different ways in our lives. I'm going to look at kind of two areas. And one, as we've talked about this, uh, give us this day our daily bread. One kind of comes from this place of like riches or power or honor, right? That there's sort of like, we make our own way in life. Like we don't need God. Who is God? Because I don't, I don't really need him. Everything I have, everything I've worked for, it's all by my own doing. This is, this is what I've earned. This is what I've done. And then the other one that we saw in that, in that passage in Proverbs is, you know, uh, the, the, the temptation of poverty or uh, disgrace or affliction, the hardships in life that can tempt us to despair, that can tempt us to lose hope. And then we end up trying to fill the void and, you know, find our own joy. Like, the, 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 my joy will be my strength, not the joy of the Lord. So as I think about this petition, lead us. You know, we, we pray, you know, um, you're the good shepherd. Like, you're, you're the one who is the, the one leading the flock. We want to hear your voice, and we know that Jesus walks uprightly. And so if we're walking with him, if he's leading us, then it's the reminder that we're on the right path. That all we have to do is just walk uprightly with him. And then, so as we're praying, we're just praying that, God, don't let us be strayed from that by any of these internal or external forces. Don't let that happen, God. Please protect us. There's a lot of depth in an address and six petitions. I mean, this is a super short little passage in the Bible, and there's just a ton in here that we could look at. Um, a lot of me this week was camped out in verses 5 through 8, honestly, what not to do in prayer. But hopefully as we're looking at this prayer and this passage, we're not just seeing it as specific words, like Jesus is giving us this and, hey, pray this. I think it's a beautiful prayer. We should pray this more, um, the, these direct words from Jesus. I think we should be praying this in our own personal prayer lives, and I think we should be praying this as a congregation more. This is directly from Jesus. Teach us to pray. Here's how you do it. I think we should be praying this more. But even if you notice, like I read from Matthew, but Luke chapter 11 has the same, the Lord's Prayer in there as well. But the language is different. And so I don't think this is saying, hey, you have to say these specific words. But he's giving us this model, this formula for, and, and this theme of how we approach God's prayer. And then our prayers can be shaped up by it. And so even if like our words are completely different from one another, we shouldn't probably stray too far from what Jesus says. This is, this is how you do it. This is how you pray. That this should start to shape all of our prayers. And I think we would do well in our own prayer lives if we take seriously this teaching as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, to, to learn from the Master how we are to pray. It's not going to be me or some preacher or some teacher. It's going to be let's sit at Jesus' feet and learn from Him. And so one of the things that we've done all... Uh, this, this last couple weeks is we've spent time praying through Scripture. And so our passage for this week is going to be the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at Matthew 6. We'll pick up in verses 9 through 13 this week, starting at Jesus saying, pray like this. And what I would love for us to do is spend time in this. Um, just, just listen to Jesus. You know, spend, spend a few days at least just reading this daily, letting it kind of just marinate and and then respond to God. Write out a prayer in response to God. I think super important here also in this prayer is that Jesus gave it to us in plural form. You know, it's not my Father in heaven. He says, our Father. 
that as we're praying, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. This was given to us in plural form. And I think this highlights the importance of us as a church praying together, that we actually um, pray with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes that's going to be public, and sometimes that's going to be more private, but that we should be ready to pray together. And so I, I say that because one thing I would really love this week is as you write out your prayers through this passage, is to make it a point to go share it with someone. That's scary. It's, it's, you got to kind of be vulnerable to do that. But I, I really hope that, that you would, as you write a prayer this week, or, or as you pray these words of Jesus this week, that you would actually find a brother and sister to go share it with. Go pray this with one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is my hope for us this week. I'm going to basically wrap up here um, and start to invite the praise team back up here. Um, as they come up, a couple things I want to share is um, this morning in our Colossians class, we talked about Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know God, if you want to see God, the invisible that you know we can't see, how do we do it? Jesus. And so, in everything then, in, in what he taught, in what he did, he shows us that he, he healed people, he taught lessons, he refuted false teachings, he did all sorts of things, and he taught us how to pray. And he didn't just give us this prayer, but he gave his whole life for us. This was what he did for us. And he wants to, us to experience that awe and intimacy of that relationship that he longs for with us. And so if you guys don't know that yet, if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I want to know Jesus more, please come talk to one of us, me or an elder or somebody. Um, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like relationship with Jesus. And, and I would, you know, if, if you haven't yet been baptized and you're wanting to do that, the water is literally ready right now. We could, we could do this today. So don't, don't, don't leave here today if, if this is on your heart. Um, As we close this, I just want to lead a prayer, Um, and I'm going to read Eugene Peterson's version of this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, from the Message Translation as our, our prayer offering. So join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are, set the world right, do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You are in charge. You can do anything you want. You are ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Let's stand and worship together.